Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week, and this week we go back all the way to 1995 with Ivanhoe's second full-length album, Symbols of Time. But before we get there, Chris, how are you, my man? Wait, we were supposed to listen to Ivanhoe? I watched the movie. Oh, shoot. I guess we're going to have to start this over. Edit. Uh, no, um, no, Ivanhoe, which is it's funny because this was a band I feel like um, – for different reasons, we kind of overlooked or haven't definitely haven't mentioned on the show. So I think it's going to be a fun one. Um, but anything new this week that you kind of checked out or heard that caught your caught your ear? Yeah, um, there there was uh, a couple of new things of uh, today. The um, I haven't had a chance to listen to this. Maybe you have, but um, Poets of the Fall has a new album called Ghostlight, and that just came out today. Have you had a chance to listen to it yet? I've only heard the one single, Requiem for My Harlequin, and um that was awesome but uh haven't heard the rest yet no i am very excited to hear this i've had um i've had a I've had a rough day i'll just leave it at that i won't go into too many details i'll just say that uh we had an issue last night at my house it's still being rectified it's probably going to be rectified over the course of the next 2 or 3 weeks uh but to make a long story of the short once 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 things settle down i look forward to checking that out um, amongst some other stuff, you had sent me the new Glory Hammer single, Fly Away. I don't know how I feel about these guys. I, I, I actually like the song, but like with everything I had heard, I'm kind of down on them as a band. I, I mean, I, as I guess many people probably are at this point. Yeah, it's it's sometimes it's hard to separate the art from the artist. Um, and, you know, we've talked about having the same issue with like Ailstorm as well with everything that went down. And so... Um, I will say the the new singer Sozos Michael um, does a really good job here. It's going to take some getting used to, um, just because I feel like that band was so, um, it, it was just so like the the voice like um, Winkler. Um, I'm forgetting his first name, but his his voice was so like synonymous with the band. So. Um, you know, much like any time a band changes singers, it, it, it could take a little bit of, of getting used to. I, the song is, is is fine. Um, it didn't blow my socks off or anything. But again, like sometimes it's just hard to to get like the negativity out of your brain when you listen to like bands when you know that they got themselves into uh, you know some a, a stupid situation and got busted. So um, maybe maybe time will will tell how that you know yeah we change our opinions about bands like that it's funny because i think that they were really catching on as a band in terms of popularity and then obviously they you know those things kind of went public so I, what's curious to me is if they ever kind of regain their um the stride i guess that they were hitting or that they had hit in terms of the touring and just the popularity but that they seem to have taken a hit there so i don't know i mean the, the single i thought was good i i I'm definitely going to listen to the album when it comes out. I just don't know if they ever get back to the stature they were. Time will tell. Time will tell. You know, uh, do you remember when we talked about um, like surprising amounts of YouTube views? Yeah. Um, Glory Hammer is like one of those bands. Like the Angus McFife video has 9.3 million views on YouTube. That's ridiculous. I, I, the, how is that possible? The, the Hoots Force video has 12 million views on YouTube. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, like, the, the, those are numbers that rival, like, top 40 artists. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's insane. Yeah. So, I mean, they definitely have, uh, I guess, some cachet. Um, 
it's interesting. I would not have, I wouldn't have guessed that they would have that many listens. I mean, Alestorm's drink video has 39 million views on YouTube. <laughs> so that's, that's just, that's, I mean, it's like the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, the ACDC and Alestorm. I mean, those, those yeah. are the big four now. It's, it's, it's bananas, but hey, listen, yeah, more power to them. It's crazy. I, I just, uh, I mean, I guess that's how bands are getting uh, out there, you know, in this day and age. It's not like the, uh, not not the MTV music video generation anymore, to say the least. No, to, to say the least. Um, very interesting. I, I learned something new every day. I just want to mention two other singles that I heard that I was really kind of blown away by. Uh, a band called Pre-Incarnation. I think they're like a melodic progressive rock band i think they're from germany uh if i'm not mistaken they came out with a new single uh called heartless and i think it's coming from um it's actually the third single from their uh we don't know up and coming album it's it's kind of amorphous at this point but really really cool sound i I thought they had like a little bit of a shadow gallery meets a fate's warning type of thing and just really really impressive song that i don't think anybody is talking about so i wanted to mention them here Yes, I listened to it on your recommendation, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. It will be on uh, the next playlist that I upload, um, along with the the next song that you're going to mention as well. Yeah, so uh, spoiler, um, All Things Fallen. This is uh, a band who is coming out essentially with their uh, second full-length album called Shadow Way. They, they announced um, that album. It's going to come out on June 3rd. They just announced a single called Pandemonium. Um, as, as kind of like the first teaser for the album. I love this band. I love the last album. I love this song. I think that this has real potential. The, the mastermind here is Marcus uh, Sigfridsson, uh, probably known better for Dark Water and Harmony, uh, two bands who I thoroughly enjoy. Uh, they just have a really melodic, catchy sound, and the songs are really, really good. Uh, Borderline, borderline prog, borderline power metal in spots, but just really, really easily digestible, melodic stuff that I think a lot of people will enjoy. So I'll, I'll definitely post both of those singles this week. Did you have a chance to listen to that one? Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed yeah. both of the songs that you um, told me about, as well as um, uh, I believe you also told me about a, a band called uh, perpetual fire and um, oh yeah that this one i was not as crazy about but i had a feeling this would be right up your alley it was screaming fast happy flower power metal and i wonder but i don't i don't think i ever heard your reaction what did you think of it i loved it um all three <laughs> of those songs will be on my next uh playlist that i nice. just about finished uh con- constructing um it also uh, has a couple of other. Um, there's new Evergrey's got another single, which I have to say they were just each one, each song so far from this upcoming album, A Heartless Portrait. Uh, I've um, I've enjoyed every single. I, I think this might be my favorite Evergrey album, um, provided the rest of the album follows uh, follows suit. Um, and then uh, another Pure Reason Revolution uh, single came out as well, Dead Butterfly. Uh, this is another album I'm looking forward to. Uh, everything I've heard from that has been very good. Um, so being yeah, the prog, um, being the prog rock guy that you are, I'm not surprised. Obviously, a lot has changed over the course of the last week with your deep dive <laughs> into Spock's beard. So I, yeah. I, I, I'm sure that I'm sure that the Pure Reason Revolution will crack your top five at the end of the year. I have little doubt. 
Yeah, and, and I guess while I'm on the topic, uh, Haken also dropped a new single called Nightingale. Um, there you go. So, uh, yeah, good good tune also. just uh, Haken's just one of those prog metal bands that um, that just I like. Um, something about, about their sound I've just always been a fan of. Um, so it's always exciting when they, uh, when they drop a new single. So yeah, just a couple of things, a couple other things will be on this playlist. I don't want to spoil all of it, but, uh, yeah. Um, I feel like this so far this year, I feel like we've been kind of peppered with really good singles, but, um, that I feel like the album output hasn't been as strong as it might've been by this point. I guess we're, we're through a third of the year now. Um, now that's the end of April. And I feel like we might have, I thought there was a, a stronger collection of albums this time last year and, and even, and the year before even more so. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I have a theory about that. You know, like you said, we're a third of the way through the year. I have an ongoing list of albums, you know, that I, I, I could potentially see in my, in my top 50 at the end of the year. And it's not a very long list at this point, given where we are, uh, in, in the year. I think that when, when the lockdown happened, there was a lot of like musical creativity that people kind of used as an outlet for, for many different things. And I think that a lot of people and a lot of bands came out with albums and new songs and new projects, um, late 2020 and then into 2021. And, Maybe it's just that a bands are going back out on tour. I'll mention some of them in the news section at the end of the show. Uh, and maybe it's just a result of attention being spent elsewhere. But I don't know that the albums are coming as fast and furiously as they did last year. Um, there's not that much stuff I've heard this year where I can say, oh, I really loved it. I mean, there's probably about eight or ten albums at this point, which I can say are definitively going to be on my end of year list unless something drastically changes. But for the most part a lot of this stuff is like, it's fine. It's just not exceptional by any means. And I think that that's kind of, again, due to, due, due to just where we are in the site, the touring cycle and the release schedule for a lot of these bands. Well, we'll have to see how the rest of the year goes. But as of right now, I have um, Spock's Beards 5 and Ivanhoe's Symbols of Time in my top 25. So <laughs> There you go. I, I love it. So uh, let's, let's get into Ivanhoe. This, this is interesting. Um, this request... Uh, obviously, the the it was you know first first uh, show of the month, so it's a request. This one comes from Dan Bretherton, and he writes and indulge me while I read this because he he had a lot to say. He says, uh, after being a fan of Queensrÿche since the late '80s, I had started to get into bands such as Fate's Warning, Dream Theater, Sabotage, Symphony X, all in the early '90s. Sound like anybody else? Um, just like us, right? Then in the mid nineties and around 1996 is when I discovered, you know, the World Wide web and learned what this music was, which was quote unquote progressive metal. So he runs a search and all of a sudden bands like Threshold, Shadow Gallery and Ivanhoe start popping up, um, for him. And these C's, CDs, uh, were not easily found in Australia where he lives. So he started purchasing, um, basically anything he could, um, you know, just to get his hands on this stuff whenever it was affordable. And he winds up playing uh, Ivanhoe's Visions of Reality and Symbols of Time back-to-back, just being absolutely blown away uh, by the lead vocals by, of course, uh, Andy Frank, uh, who is now in Brainstorm and then obviously would go on to Simforce and etc. I have a feeling we'll touch on that as well. But he, he says, uh, I was concerned when I first played Symbols of Time 
that it had a little bit of a death metal growl at the start and then some doomy or sludgy vocals uh, that he was actually concerned that they had changed singers. Uh, but then realized once uh, Andy kind of goes back to his thing, once those powerful vocals kick in, he was, you know, obviously, you know, totally on board. He loves this little growl around the 325 mark until the end of time, still gets them to this day, uh, mentions sections of vibration and, and various bass lines uh, through on the song through the lines. And then he starts talking about the song Silent Ceremony with the piano intro and, and, and a lot of the different pieces. We're going to get into this, um, as well as the Pantera style riffs and whatnot, but just kind of breaks down the album as we did. Uh, he says that his favorite track, uh, is by a feeling. He says he considers it to be, uh, the greatest metal ballad of all time. And I got to be honest with you. The song doesn't suck. I don't even know if it's my favorite ballad by the band, but we'll get there. That being said, fantastic song and he says that the duet with the female vocalist that comes in at the end uh is just like you know kind of awe-inspiring to him he applauds the band for not using an operatic singer which was obviously popular at the time uh to this day still wants to know who that singer is and to be honest with you so do i i have no idea who she is um i don't know if you were able to find it but he goes a great song to to kind of just blast on a great sound system with a good subwoofer um just a fantastic quote subsonic sound that obviously comes across with headphones. Thanks for the opportunity and can't wait to hear your breakdown. Um, and hopefully can get an interview with Andy himself. So, uh, listen, obviously a lot of strong words there. Um, we'll, we'll break it down a little bit. What was your first exposure to the band? Was it the Andy Frank stuff or the stuff that kind of happened after, uh, Andy Frank had left the band after the first three albums? Oh, it definitely wasn't the newer era. Um, Ivanhoe was one of those bands that I remember hearing about, but not knowing much from. And, and like I had those first three albums, but I just didn't really listen to them that often with the exception of the track when I'm old, which was on the polarized album. And I think that was just because you were a big fan of that song. Um, so, I mean, this was pretty much kind of a, a fresh intro for me, I, I didn't really get a chance to listen to their newer albums. Um, so this was like, yeah, this was like pretty fresh. Um, so yeah, my, my knowledge of the band honestly was based on uh, a ballad. <laughs> so yeah. obviously I didn't have a very good uh, understanding of what I was, what I was about to get myself into. I have to say that I heard I think I heard Brainstorm and Symforce before I kind of dove into these albums myself. So for me to hear Andy Frank sing so differently than he did with his later bands, it's almost jarring in a sense because I think that those bands, as much as I like them for what they are, I think they actually hold him back because his vocal performance, and I have no doubt we'll get into it in, in detail shortly, um, was one of the most incredible things I've ever heard in any album. I mean, that's how ridiculous the vocals are in this album. And that is not to take away anything um, from any of the other musicians that were on this album, but God, the vocals, but we'll get there. Uh, let's, let's break it down a little bit. Album comes out February 6th, 1995. So we're going on 27 years now, which is just crazy in and of itself. Uh, the lineup is Giovanni Sulis, who is the band's bass player to this day. If I'm not mistaken, I believe he is still, um, going strong. He founded the band. He's, it's basically his baby. Um, Chuck Schuler on guitar, Lars Hornig on drums, 
Marcus Britch on keyboards and Andy Frank, obviously, on vocals. Uh, none of these guys, with the exception of Giovanni Sulis, are in the band anymore. They've got a completely different lineup, and they've had a number of releases since then. Uh, Andy Frank left the band after 1997 in their, with their Polarized release, and since then they've come out with five other albums, most recently Blood and Gold, which came out last year. Um, it's interesting. You know, it, it, This band has not suffered from a longevity issue every it's just that they don't release albums as frequently as they did maybe in the mid nineties, but you know, every three or five years, they kind of come out with something new. Uh, but for many people that it's this old material, which is what really separated them because I don't know a lot of bands that were playing stuff like this back in 1995. I, I really don't. This is kind of uh, obviously there's this harkens back to dream theater and, and a lot of other bands like that, but I don't think it was a it, prog metal was as widespread as it is now. I, I think you'd agree with that. Uh, yeah. I mean, like you said, we hadn't even started listening to this type of stuff, by when this album was released and, um, it was interesting kind of like listening to it. And, and I was kind of surprised that something like this, um, even existed at that point. I mean, it seems like it's, to me, it seems like it's kind of ahead of its time. It, it, I think you had mentioned last week, um, that the, like really like dream theater was one of the only bands that, that was around at this time that was kind of doing similar type stuff, which I guess makes sense. Cause I mean, if I look back at like 1995 and, and prog metal around that time, I don't know that I could name very much that is in this vein. Uh, from that time period. I mean, even Fate's Warning, while they were around, I don't think that their sound was very similar to this. Uh, you know, like this is kind of very keyboard driven, which I, I really love. Um, and the keyboard style is like, you don't hear it anymore. It has kind of like that almost like Sega Genesis kind of vibe yeah. to it where um, it, it, it it's very like, early nineties, it fits that era like so well. So, um, I, I, I was, I was kind of surprised at how much I ended up enjoying this album only because I really had like no expectations going into it. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I went back and I was kind of racking my brain for bands that were around, you know, and again, this was their second release. They they had their first album, Visions and Reality, came out in 1993. Uh, depending on where you look, uh, some people say that this album came out in 1994. My understanding was that it came out in early 1995. Whatever it is, 94, 95, it was their second release. And I'm trying to think back to that time frame, like when or who was coming out with albums that sounded something similar to this. Obviously, Dream Theater, I think, is is going to come to mind. I thought of like early Vanden Plus, which was kind of coming around th at this time. I thought of Threshold because part of this does remind me of like kind of Wounded Land-ish material. And obviously that was a conversation we had with Richard West that people could check out in the archives when we kind of did a deep dive um, into, you know, those early Threshold albums. I thought of Royal Hunt, although it doesn't sound like this. Royal Hunt has a very different sound. And another band that came to mind was Sieges Even, which is another like prog metal stalwart from uh, this era. But other than that, nothing really sounded like this. Um, and, and in many ways, nothing ever would sound like this again because it has a little bit of a dated feel to it, but not really, if that makes sense. 
No, it does, but like in a good way. <laughs> like, yeah, I yeah, like yeah. Well, I don't mean that as an insult. It's, it's yeah, it's great. it doesn't. I don't think it takes anything away from it. I, in fact, it kind of gives gives it like this kind of vintage kind of feel to it. And and I think um, I think when I when I first listened to it, I think I messaged you and I said like this album is like a uh, like a, a like a photo in time or something like that or like a because it just it sounds like 1995. Like it just sounds like it sounds like it might even belong even a few years before it. Um, yeah. Just, but I love that. I love when prog bands are key driven like this one. And I feel like this is again, like back when prog metal was a little less technical and it was just kind of like, we're just going to write a song and like, it's going to be a good song and we're not going to worry so much about solos and things like that. Just, um, it, it has a little bit of a, I think it has a little bit of kind of a power metal vibe um, in there. It's kind of like a power metal and prog metal marriage, which I think prog metal bands leaned more in that direction back then. I feel like the, the two genres have kind of spread out further apart since then. But I feel like this has kind of some like power metal elements to it. It's the same way even like certain Dream Theater songs back in the 90s. Um, kind of has some power metal elements to it, uh, especially if you go back and listen to like awake, which is one of their more heavier nineties albums. But, um, I, I just, uh, this was like right up my alley. It reminded me of like the time that when we first started listening to metal. And I think that had I heard this at that time, I probably would have liked it a lot then. Yeah. I, I think that makes sense. It's, um, it, it's not as, self-indulgent i guess as other bands and you know even when i go back and i listen to it um earlier today it's not the instrumental solo sections that jump out at me so much although i'll get into pieces of that as we talk about some of the songs but i think what really did it for me was just the the quality songwriting to which you alluded to or said pretty clearly just moments ago combined with certain elements on certain songs which i thought made each song whether it was a keyboard intro here or a vocal section here that's really what kind of made the album for me and um i was i this is an album i had listened to and whatnot but i don't think i ever listened to it on repeat for an entire week actually i'm sure i didn't so it may not have resonated with me as much as it did this time around because even though i was familiar with the album you know it 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 was a good listen, but by going back and listening to it five or six times, I think I really appreciated it more than I ever have. Yeah. And, and for me, it was, I was pretty much listening to it for the first time. Yeah. There and, you go. Uh, yeah. I, I, again, I think I mentioned this last week, but I just remember this was one of those bands that um, Pat and, and Ralph would talk about. Um, but it just, for whatever reason, it was just, there was so much, there was so much other stuff to listen to that, it just uh, it just never made its way across, you know, my, uh, you know, the, my area or whatever you want to call it. But um, uh, it has now. Well, <laughs> so I'm, I'm happy we're there, and I'm also curious to see if you wind up going back to listen to the other two Andy Frank albums because if you like this, I think those are going to be right up your alley. But let's get into it. The song kicks, the, the album kicks off with the title track, Symbols of Time. It's just under six minutes. I have a lot of things to say about this particular song, but before I do, I'm going to just kick it over to you. How, how does this album start for you? 
wonderfully. I like that it just gets right into right down to business. Like, um, I, I, this was, I think one of my favorite songs on the album. Um, and I think you just get a little bit of a taste of, of, of what's to come. Um, I mean, I love, I just love listening to Andy Frank sing. I think that his voice is so unique. And I remember the first time I heard, um, his vocals in, in Sim Force and, and Brainstorm and just being impressed that I didn't think that he sounded like anybody else. And I didn't even know he was when we, when we got the request to do Ivanhoe, I didn't even know he was their singer um, really? at that time. So what was such a pleasant surprise to find out, Hey, I actually know somebody that's in, that's on this album. And, and uh, yeah, he is just, I think he's such a underappreciated, underrated uh, vocalist who I think can do power metal and prog metal. But in this case, like, man, the, the heavy keyboard riffs, that like kind of lead into the, the chorus and stuff, man, this, this is just so good. And like it, that keyboard sound, you mentioned thresholds wounded land kind of reminds me of that album. I think it, it, the, I feel like the production's better on this. Yes. Um, Yes. But it kind of has that kind of a time period vibe to it, which was only released two years prior to this. But um, yeah, I mean, there's, um, the, just oh man, the keyboards mixed with Andy doing those like really high. Oof. Oh, it's just so cool sounding. I, I I thought of Mike, our our friend Mike, just immediately listening to this because I always joke that like he's always sending me songs by bands, and I go and look, and like the songs are from 1997, like almost every <laughs> single time. It's like he's finding new stuff from 1997, and so. <laughs> I I heard this and I just I immediately thought of him because I'm like oh this is such a this is such stuff that Mike would would just eat up and um I ate it up too I thought it was great um great great intro what were your your thoughts on this one so at the risk of plagiarizing off off Dan's request I just want to read one thing that's in my notes because he said it but I just want to again be clear that I noticed it too from from the early part of the intro you would think this was a doom metal band. And I just want to note that because, again, if you, at the at the outset, you kind of get a false sense of what this album is, but then you quickly realize this is going to be like Dream Theater inspired prog. But I mean that in a good way because that this is when Dream Theater was writing like great songs, you know, back on Images and Words and Awake. And I'll put When Dream and Day Unite up there with with those three because with those two because I think it's a fantastic album. Um, the way that the verses kind of speed up throughout the song. And then get to this chorus that, that pays off tenfold. Um, I love this song. I think it is one of the most underrated prog metal gems that I've ever heard. And the, one of the most absolute incredible displays of vocal range that I've ever heard in, in a song where Andy Frank goes from his normal register way up the ladder. I mean, way up the ladder, but with such ease and with such um, grace and simplicity, it's it's truly, I think, one of the best vocal performances I've ever heard on anything. And I'll say this, as much of a banger of a tune as it is, uh, it, it is just, it, it flows so well and it's just such a well-crafted tune. It could easily, uh, easily be like my song of the week. I'm not going to choose it, but I could. Uh, but 
my immediate thought is like this band should be bigger than they were because I don't know that they ever got the notoriety. And if this song didn't do it, I'm not sure what would. Yeah. I mean, very fair. Um, I'm glad you mentioned when dream and day unite, because I feel like if, if there was a dream theater album, this reminded me of, it's actually that very first dream theater album. I agree. Um, just for whatever reason, I think it has, I think it, it probably is one of the ballsiest dream theater albums. It sounds like crap. Like they still haven't released a version of this, of that album that doesn't, that isn't hard to listen to from like a production standpoint, but damn, like there are some really freaking good songs on that album. And, um, this kind of has that vibe to it. I think it, it reminds me more of that than an images and words or an awake. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with everything you just said. I, I don't think I'm, I don't think it's going to be my song of the week either. But um, I mean, geez, it, it's it's definitely worth listening to anyway because um, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, excellent opening track, uh, just great stuff. And and you mentioned you'd be curious to see if I'll listen to the other Andy Frank albums. Uh, I definitely will be. Yeah, I, I had a feeling because I I, I, I kind of could tell you like this. Um, what I will say in full candor is that the second track, Wide Open, I don't love as much. And maybe it's just because I needed to come down from the high that is the opening track. But I always thought something here was missing. The track itself was a touch pedestrian. Uh, I thought the intro was cool. Very, uh, very intro, uh, very, very much Rush inspired from that like late 80s, early 90s era rush where they kind of went like electronic in, in, in certain areas. Um, it's it's very interesting because of all the songs, I think this is the one that reminds me of when Dream and Day Unite the most. Uh, but the best part of the song for me are the bass lines. Uh, they are some bass lines that pop on this song. And it makes me think that the production here for a kind of what had to be a low budget production was actually really good. It sounds good. Um, but what, what, what I think was missing here are some of the hooks that the first track had. Uh, and there was some just odd vocal phrasing during the chorus, which I didn't love. And it almost sounded like Andy Frank was holding back a little, whereas on the first track, he just kind of let himself go and just went, went for it. And, and for those reasons, I just didn't love this track as much as, as the first track or as much as some of the ones that would come after it. Yeah, this was one of my favorite songs on the whole album. Oh wow! There you go. All right, that's <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, I just I I something about the way that it starts. Um, it reminds me of 
maybe like a status seeker from when Dream and Day Unite, but like it just, I feel like it has so much energy uh, to kick off the song. And like, I was shocked that it was the longest song on the album because like, I don't know. I, I just found that it was just interesting all the way through. Um, the, again, like the keyboards really shine on this one. I definitely hear that, that rush vibe that you mentioned. Um, I haven't, I haven't chosen my song of the week yet. This is in contention. Um, but yeah, this was one of, uh, this is one of the ones that really stood out to me. So I'm kind of surprised that you didn't like it as much. Yeah, dif- different strokes for different folks. I think we talk about placement. Maybe if it was towards the end of the album, I, I would have kind of appreciated it more because two of my favorite tracks actually are the last two tracks, which we'll get to. But I think that for me, Symbols of Time was just such a perfect song that no matter what came next, it was going to be a little bit of a letdown. And I think of like, um, I don't know. I mean, there's so many there's so many albums where that first song is just so perfect. Uh, you know an album is magical when that second song is just as good as that first, you know, incredible track. This is a great album. I just don't think that it holds up as well. Um, whereas, uh, you know, the third song, By a Feeling, which obviously Dan had as his song of the week, his favorite song on the album, this is a well-placed ballad. You know, after two, you know, proggy, you know, mid-tempo, or at least wide open being a little slower than, than the opening track, it was time for something different, and this is a fantastic ballad. Uh, it starts with a piano intro and, and Andy Frank's vocals over the top, but there's something so beautiful in the simplicity of, of the way this starts. And again, the vocal performance here, not only with Andy Frank, but the female vocals, which are a fantastic accompaniment. This is a, this is a classic ballad. I don't know whether I like it more than When I'm Old, which is the song, obviously, you knew about that I had kind of turned you on to just because I love that ballad. But I think what you can tell is this band writes great ballads for Andy Frank's vocal stylings. Yeah, well, I think that this dude could sing anything, and it would be great. Um, but that said, this is a really, uh, this is just a really great um, spotlight on him kind of singing with just like a little light piano and just really getting to hear his voice without the guitars and all the heavier instrumentation over it. And uh, boy, he delivers. And I don't know who, maybe somebody can reach out to us and tell us who this uh, female singer is that comes on, but what a lovely duet that the two, that just the two styles uh, really just complemented each other so well. What what a great song. Um, I don't know. I'm with you. I don't know if I can pick between those two ballads now that they're pretty much the only two Ivanhoe ballads that I know. But um, yeah, I mean, they're both really, really great songs. Um, this this is a, a, a really great choice um, for uh, for our friend's favorite track on, on this album because it's just, it's well-deserved. It's a really beautiful, beautiful uh, emotional song. Yeah, I well said. I, I'll, I'll leave it there. Uh, the fourth track, or kind of the end of side one of the album, if you will, is, is a song called Raining Tears. This was a grower on me. I, I don't know that I appreciated it as much the first one or two times that I heard it, but each time I listened to it, I started to like it more and more. 
um, there was something about like that kind of simple bridge that led to this epic chorus that I was really, really enjoying by the end. Uh, I don't know that it's the best song on the album by any means, but it's a good song. And there's about, a, there's a key change about two minutes into this song, which I thought was really, really cool. And what was, what stood out to me on this track was just how different this sounds than Andy Frank's latter material. Um, this is, this is prog all the way and it has really no, uh, you'd have no indication that he, he would go on to such different material with his other bands. This particular track, though, reminded me of another German prog metal band, Dreamscape. I don't know if you're familiar with them. That was um, Hubie Mizell's first uh, foray into prog metal a little bit after this album came out uh, with their with their release, Very, which is just another prog metal gem we should cover at some point. But this particular song would have fit very nicely on that album, Very. Yeah, the I you know that's again like that time period of like those those newer bands. Um, I also think of like a um, uh, I'm gonna forget their name, but um, Lance King was their singer. Balance um, of Power. Yeah, Balance of Power. Another one of those bands from that era that just I remember people talking about, but again, just as like you know, you only have so much time and so much money to spend when you're young and you kind of just go with the Ed guys of the world of the stuff, you know, the tried and true kind of stuff. So, you know, I kind of add them. Narnia is another band that I put into that kind of category of like, I was aware of them and everybody said they were good, but I just didn't get a chance to listen to them until much later. Um, so yeah. Um, same with, same with, um, same with dreamscape. Uh, like you mentioned, um, but uh, yeah, this is, I, I agree with you that part um, with the key change and um, this kind of has a bit of like a mid tempo kind of crunchiness to it that I, I, I like that is almost kind of modern sounding for some of the, like the more um, like power prog bands that aren't um, as much of the, uh, the wankery types Um Maybe like a Symphony X might be a good example of that, where it's just kind of like a, a straightforward riff um, in, in kind of like a mid-tempo sort of way. Like, I don't know. I, I, I Not one of my favorite songs on the album, but like, but good. Like, I, I'm with you that like, I liked it more and more the, the more I listened to it. Nice. Um, the, the second half of the album starts off with a song called Vibrations, which is kind of aptly named. It, it starts off with this like Fate's Warning-ish, A Pleasant Shade of Grey vibe. But then all of a sudden it goes into some of the absolute best drumming and bass lines on the entire album, which I thought was uh, a real testament to especially the drums because I thought it, they really stood out on this track. For some reason, though, I thought the mix on this one track was off. Like I thought the production on the album was good. But for some reason, I didn't love the sound on this particular album and uh, this particular track. And I also thought that the keyboard patches that were used on this track were a little, I don't know, not as pleasant to listen to as some of the others or some of the other songs. But again, you got the full with the vocals here on full display. This one screamed Wounded Land to me. Uh, a, a decent song, probably my least favorite of the second side of the album, because to me, it just starts to get better and better and better from here on out. A good song though. Not just, not just not a great song. I, I, those parts of the song where Andy kind of like 
drops down and and sings some of those lower parts yeah really reminds me of like what he would go on to sound like in brainstorm years later you just hear that that lower register when he's uh when he sings like to and fro on this on this song um yeah i mean this is uh, again i'm gonna kind of sound like a broken record because this is a lot similar to like what i said about uh, the Spock's Beard album we talked about last week, but man, I, I just liked every song on this album. It's just a matter of which ones did I like the most versus which ones did I not like the most. And and this is another one I, I liked quite a bit. Definitely not, it wasn't in contention for like song of the week or anything, but again, like there just weren't any bad songs on this album. So um, I, this was another one that I, I really kind of uh, ended up enjoying. Nice. Um, to, as I said, to me, the album starts to really pick up steam uh, with Irrigate Poisoning. I'm curious to know your thoughts on this one because this, this to me, you talked about those crunchy guitar, like, sim- I don't want to say simple, but like that crunchy guitar sound. To me, this song screams Vandenplas, and I am a Vandenplas fanboy. I love that band. Um, this was, this definitely had that vibe to it. So I was, I was, I was definitely hooked. It's like a hauntingly heavy song, but driven kind of by the low end bass and keys, which I thought is cool. The keyboards on this on this entire track are just fantastic. It starts a little slow, but picks up really, really nicely. And uh, I, I thought that there were some weird vocal effects that Andy Frank kind of uses here, but the song itself was so cool that it didn't even matter to me. Yeah, it's kind of like he's uh, like whisper singing yeah but yeah like, but it was not not that's not my favorite part of the song but the, the rest of it was so cool that it like i said it didn't matter to me it didn't take me out of the moment and i'm sure they were trying for that you know ominous effect because they definitely hit that on the head yeah like in all honesty like whenever with a lot of these songs it's because they start out with such a I'm just going to use the word inviting, like for me, for my ears, it's such an inviting keyboard sound towards the beginning. Like they hook, they hook me into the songs before the vocals even start. And I already know I'm going to enjoy the vocals because I know I enjoy the vocalist, but like, I love that this, this band, each song just hooks you in before you even have a chance to hear whisper vocals in a box. Cause that's what it sounded like he was doing. Um, I, uh, yeah. Oh, so, um, when it gets towards the meat and potatoes of the song towards the middle, like, first of all, I love the keyboards are not lost in the mix. Like they're really front and center. And I, and I love, I would even argue that they're probably the most prominent instrument on the song. And so because of that, I ended up enjoying the song a lot. Um, this is probably one of my, one of my favorites, it's still not sure which song of the week is where I'm really kind of uh, holding out on, on deciding. Um, but um, this was, this was a really good one. And, and I, it, this was one of those ones where it feels like the song kind of changes um, styles. Like, like, you know, it's almost like multiple songs within a song, but it does it in such a, a smooth and interesting way. Um, yeah, this is, this was a good one. Um, good stuff. I, I I appreciate that. I, I I think that's well said. Inviting, I think, is is definitely um, a very good word to use. 
um, we get to the next track, which is Through the Lies. Uh, before I say anything about this, I'll just kick it over to you. This is the seventh track on the album. It's the second longest track on the album. It comes in at just under seven minutes. Any thoughts on this one? Yes. And what would they be? <laughs> uh, starts out like I think I thought I was going to be hearing a ballad based on yeah. how the song started. Um, kind of remind me, boy, you want to go kick it back. I'll, I'll talk about an album we discussed on our very first episode, uh, Inside Out by Fate's Warning. Kind of that um, kind of just mid-tempo, chill, prog, metal kind of vibe to it. Um, then, But then Andy comes in and just like starts belting out these high notes as only <laughs> he can. And then it starts to pick up. You start, it starts chugging and you start getting some of these like heavy guitar riffs. Um, it's, uh, I, I, it's not one of my favorites on the album, but again, it's still another really good song. Um, but, uh, I don't, think I liked it as much as the previous track or the the following track which was the last song on the album It is my track of the week. I love this song. And it's okay, funny cool. because we both like this album, but we like, I think, with the opening track aside, I think we actually enjoy different tracks, which is making this a really interesting exercise. I think the top to bottom, it's the best written song on the album. The verses, the chorus, the musicianship is on full display. And although it's really proggy, it's a greatly, it's a great tune like it's just well constructed and even though it's almost seven minutes it just flies by to me and so i want to have another excuse to listen to it so i'll make it my song of the week i just i think it's a fantastic track and although i i definitely had silent ceremony the last track in contention as well um i'm gonna go with through the lies silent ceremony starts off like a church hymn to me i almost felt like i was in a pew at church very, very mellow. And then when once those drums kick in, the song just turns around completely. And it, it's it's an awesome closing track uh, to a really good album. There's a lot of crazy time changes that are thrown in here. It goes from heavy to mellow, back to heavy, and some crazy drum fills as well. I, I feel like this would be the perfect song to hear live. And I think if I had to choose one to hear in a live setting, I feel like this one would come off the best. It's a, it's a great way to close the album, in my opinion. I uh, couldn't agree more that it was honestly going into this. Uh, it was between this and wide open. Th those were my two favorite tracks. I think um, 
on an album full of really good songs. Um, I love again, like when it gets into the, the chorus, there's something about the way that Andy like, um, enunciates when he sings and like when he's, and when he says like seriously in the song, um, it's just like, you could just picture, but it's him singing it. Like, I don't know what it is about it. It's just so like wonderfully Andy. Um, And so I I think I'm going to give wide open the edge. I think that was just by a shade, my favorite track, but this was up there too. I like this song a lot. And like you said, a really, uh, really great choice to finish the album. And just on a whole, I just thought that the album, the, the bunch of times I listened to it this week, I thought it just flew by, um, to the point where, I didn't even realize it ended like polarized just came on afterwards. And I thought I was still listening <laughs> to symbols of time. And then the last couple of times I had to just pick the album so that it would end where it's supposed to end. <laughs> Cause I was just like, I guess I'm just listening to Ivanhoe for the rest of my life, or at least until <laughs> I run out of Ivanhoe songs, but uh, good stuff. I mean, the, the album came in at a little, just shy of 50 minutes, but um, very easy and enjoyable listen all the way through. Yeah, no, no question about it. I, I want to thank Dan for the request. This was a good one, and I'm not sure it's something that we would have covered otherwise. So I'm glad we we went and kind of did a deep dive into it. Scale of one to ten, what is what is what is this going to be for you? I will give it a. I'm going to give it an eight point zero. Um, I, I th- this was just uh, another example of how there's just holes in my. Uh, in my knowledge of of metal um, through the years where there's just, you know, you, you can't, li- I mean, you can listen to everything, but most people can't. Yeah. And um, this one just kind of passed me by. And again, like the, the, the requests have really done such a great job in, in filling a lot of gaps, uh, you know, for me. Um, so this was uh, something I'm, I'm really glad that, was requested because um again just it was a pleasure to listen we listened to wasn't a slog at all and uh it just you know it it i think it gave me another another band that i can talk about when i'm talking about the history of of this uh fantastic genre um really good stuff and uh i i i would rather listen to this than newer dream theater i'll just say that Big words, but uh, I, I can understand that. Um, keep the requests coming. We we have uh, we have a number of them in the queue, but we obviously want more, and we'll continue uh, continue to hit them as as they come in. So um, we love them. We that's why we do it the first uh, week of the month, and we we look forward to getting more of them. Um, before I have you tell us about our album for next week, um, what? sir. Oh yeah, yeah. One to ten. Oh yeah, I forgot. I, it's funny in my head. I had already said it. I'm giving it an eight, an eight point as well. Um, I'm right there with you. It's not a perfect album, but it's really good, and I think it's in uh, it's in the conversation for prog metal albums that people should not overlook, even though it's almost thirty years old at this point. Um, just a really, really good, enjoyable album, and one that's kind of no pun intended, been lost to time in many ways because nobody talks about these guys, but they should. And, uh, you know, obviously we'll post some tracks this week as well. So it's an 8.0 for me. Um, I am, I feel like it's been a long time since you've, you know, kind of 
made a request just because of the way the scheduling has worked and stuff like that. But before we get to your request, some brief touring news, um, both that I had mentioned to you earlier in the week. A band we have never talked about, Apocalyptica, uh, is going out on tour with Wheel and Leprous uh, as their support. They're playing Long Island in September, so I'm very curious. that It actually opens in Athens, Georgia on September 6th. The tour ends out on the West Coast in Sacramento on October the 7th. I thought this was just a really cool lineup. I think Wheel is a very, very underrated prog band that's kind of hitting their stride. Leprous is, is just fantastic. I would never go see Apocalyptica, or at least I would never think to go see them, but something about this tour has me really curious to go just check it out. I I would go. Um, I, I feel like Leprous is doing a, a hell of a job getting linked into these um these 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 US tours and I think it's great that they're getting some uh exposure um because I, I just think that they're such a great band and I think that they put on such a great live show yes. that um I think they're definitely gonna be creating new fans uh as they open for bands like this. And I think fans of a band like Apocalyptica would probably enjoy a band like Leprous. What do you think? I couldn't agree more and, and I'm- I think that they're not only getting on tours, but they're getting on tours with bands that are just a little bit different that they will be able to pick up fans along the way. It's like there's intelligently placed booking, I think, by whoever is doing their booking. So kudos to them. That's probably Paul Heyman. Yeah. Uh, one other band that announced this, uh, basically a two-week run of shows, and that's uh, At The Gates, the Sweden, uh, the Swedish death metal, uh, melodic death metal pioneers. Uh, beginning out on the West Coast uh, in Los Angeles on August 17th, ending in New York City on August 30th. I had a chance to see them on 70,000 Tons. Uh, they are a intense, intense live band, and I would recommend that anyone who is a fan of melodic death metal check out these stalwarts because the genre kind of just started with them. So um, definitely worth seeing. And uh, I don't know what's going on in August, but uh, something to definitely keep an eye on. I think I'm actually going to be away that week, but nonetheless, I, I, I would love to check these guys out if I had a chance. Awesome. I'm dude. I, the first track from polarized came on uh, lonelies. The song is awesome. Yeah. I, I got to listen to, got <laughs> to listen doing- to those other two uh, Andy Frank, Ivanhoe albums. Oh, are we like, doing polarized next week? Is that your choice? Is that your final? I, I don't answer? know. Cause what if what if I love it and you hate it? That'd yeah, be well, a very I'm, polarizing album. <laughs> um, there you go. I I, uh, I I listen. I'd be down. I, I I'll be honest with you. If you pick polarized, I actually wouldn't. I wouldn't object to that at all. But uh, the time is now. So what what are we listening to next week? So I have a band, but I want you to choose the album. Okay. Um, and okay. this is a band that I just never got into for whatever reason. And I, I just, I think I need to just sit down with one of their albums and and just really dig into it. Um, they don't exist anymore, but, uh, their, their former singer is very well known in the, the community now as the current singer of Nightwish floor Jansen. So, uh, as you may have guessed, I would like to talk about After Forever and uh being that I'm not super familiar with them, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh let you choose which album we talk about. I 
first of all, I love the selection. I think it's a great band. And I think that when you hear the marriage of Floor Jansen and uh, I'll, I'll leave it to you. I'll, I'll say it this way. You are going to, you are going, no matter which album I choose, I think you're going to fall in love with the band. I think it is a very difficult choice to pick one. And I'll tell you why. The earlier material is very, very, not only heavy, but it's also very um, classically driven. And I don't know that it's as accessible as their self-titled album, for example, which came out in 2007. Um, So it's a little bit difficult to kind of, choose one but i think hmm, which one do i go with um i'm gonna go with you know what i'm gonna go with after forever their stuff their last release from 2007 it's 15 years old i think it's the most accessible and i think once you hear that you're gonna want to just go into deep dive mode and listen to all the older stuff but i think that that one's gonna be the easiest one to digest and it also happens to be my favorite so uh which is, by the way, no pun intended, very polarizing because a lot of people prefer their first two or three albums, but we'll, we'll get there. Uh, but we're going to do their self-titled album from 2007. Very nice. Uh, yeah, I just, um, just feel like uh, it's a band that doesn't really get mentioned much anymore, mostly because they, you know, haven't done anything in, in 15 years. But uh, I know they they played at Prog Power before I started, um, you know, reattending with any sense of regularity and i kind of wish that i had uh had seen that um knowing that you know i mean i'm, I'm was it there did they ever play in the u.s besides Prague power i as mean as uh, far as i know that was a u.s debut and that show was actually on the heels of this album that that i selected based on your based on your pick Th- that that show was ridiculous um you know, it, it, it's before it's before obviously Floor had joined Nightwish, but this is what put it was that show really that put her on the map. I was familiar with some of the older albums, but that show is what blew me away. And then when she was selected to join Nightwish, I knew they had a star because she, her her vocals are just, um, you know, she could do the Tarja stuff, she could do the Annette stuff, and then she obviously brings her own flair to the newer material. She's you know she's all world, no question about it, and that's why the band hasn't lost any steam. And they're still selling out stadiums in, in, in Europe and arenas, you know, all across the world. So um, good, good choice. I'm, I'm glad you chose them. And I think it's a band that, um, quite frankly, they were on my list to get to. So you just it's just one that I'll just cross right off my list because I, they were on a list of bands that I was going to choose. So I'm, I'm, glad, I, I'm glad you picked it. I, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah. I, I just, uh, knowing that I will be seeing Nightwish, uh, in just a few days, uh, I kind of had floor on the brain anyway. And, um, you know, I also probably could use a little bit of, uh, a little bit of knowledge about the whole history of the band. Cause, um, you know, my understanding is that like the band was, um, a band that was like partially started by Mark Jansen and then he would, um, he ended up leaving after forever to start Epica. So, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm curious. Uh, uh, just, I I think it'll be an interesting learning experience for me. Um, and I, I, I mean the songs that I do know, which are few and far between, I like a lot. So, um, I know that like the earlier stuff, I, I think of the song, follow in the cry um because i believe nice. mayan covers it uh yeah live, they play it live they, 
Yeah. Yeah. This sounds like, this sounds like Epica slash Mayan. Like this, you can tell that this is the brainchild of, of Mark Jansen. And, and, and yeah, I, was just yeah, say, this I, is, I think this. that they kind of turn away from that after he leaves the band. If that, if my understanding is correct. So yeah, it's, we'll, we'll get into the details and kind of like the breakdown of the band. And like I said, their sound kind of changes, I guess, uh, over time, but to be fair, uh, Mark Jansen is there up until about 2002, and then the, the the sound kind of changes a bit. But you could tell his imprints were on that early songwriting, and this stuff doesn't. The newer stuff doesn't deviate all that much. But this particular album is a bit of an outlier in their catalog. Uh, but I still think it's worth hearing. And then it's like it's kind of sticking your toes in the pool. And if you like that, you're going to dive right in and listen to all of it. So I, I, it, it, that's why I chose it. You'll we'll, we'll get there, but uh, thanks for uh, coming on. It was uh, definitely a fun one. I'm, I'm glad that uh, Dan made the request and um, I look forward to talking about after forever next week and hearing a review of the Nightwish show, which I am insanely jealous of you that you are going, that you are going to. Yeah. The next week will be floor fest. <laughs> I love it. I uh, look forward to talking to you soon and uh, we'll be back with some after forever next week. Take it easy, bud. Take care.